Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. And you can give them a call. Here's the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is January the 27th, and on this day in 1945, Soviet troops entered Auschwitz, Poland, freeing the survivors of the network of concentration camps and finally revealing the depths of the world to the world of the horrors perpetrated there. Auschwitz was really a group of camps designated one, two, and three. There were also 40 smaller satellite camps. It was all at Auschwitz II at Birkenau, established in October 1941, that the SS created a complex, monstrously orchestrated killing ground, 300 prison barracks, four bathhouses in which prisoners were gassed, corpse cellars, and uh, cremating ovens. Thousands of prisoners were also used for medical experiments overseen and performed by the camp doctor Joseph Mengele and the uh, death of Angel, Angel of Death, excuse me. The Red Army had been advancing deeper into Poland since mid-January. Having liberated Warsaw and Krakow, Soviet troops headed for Auschwitz. In anticipation of the Soviet arrival, SS officers began a uh, murder spree in the camp, shooting sick prisoners and blowing up crematoria in a desperate attempt to destroy the evidence of their crimes. When the Red Army finally broke through, Soviet soldiers encountered 648 corpses and more than 7,000 starving camp survivors. There were also six storehouses filled with hundreds of thousands of women's dresses, men's suits, and uh, shoes that Germans did not have time to burn. What a horrific... This is what uh, human nature has the capacity to do this. This is why the education and the civilization of our young people is so critical because we all have this capacity, unfortunately, and uh, fortunately because of uh, our learning and our uh, civilization, we can avoid these types of atrocities in the future. Just awful what happened in Auschwitz. By the way, uh, a comment here. Uh, right now, of course, Mengele was... Uh, was uh, convicted of crimes uh, for what he did uh, and not giving people full disclosure of what was going on with their bodies. And that, of course, led to the Nuremberg Protocols and uh, Code. And right now, I think that's being violated here in the United States and around the world with elected officials uh, demanding that people do take uh, unapproved or unsafe medicines, and I'm talking about the vaccines, without full disclosure. I wonder if that'll ever make it to court. I think it's, it's already been filed in The Hague. Well, Associate Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer will retire at the end of the court's, court's current term. His successor is expected to sit on the court by the beginning of the next term in October, according to Outlet. Breyer, who is 83 years old, was appointed to the court by President Bill Clinton in 1994. He's the longest-serving member of the court's liberal bloc, 
and the second longest serving current member associate uh, after Associate Justice Clarence Thomas. The White House declined to comment on the announcement with the White House Press Secretary Jan Psaki saying that he has no she has no additional details or information to share. During the 2020 presidential campaign, President Joe Biden promised to place an African-American woman on the Supreme Court. Breyer's repeatedly promised that he would retire, although he has not formally made any announcement. In an August interview, expressed desire not to die while on the bench. In recent months, left-wing activists called for Breyer to announce a retirement plan. The group Demand Justice, which is made up of former Obama administration officials, has been at the forefront of the pressure campaign, even renting a billboard truck with the words Breyer, retire, emblazoned on its side. The group noted the 2020 death of liberal Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who replaced by, was replaced by conservative Justice Amy Coney Barrett, and expressed concern that Breyer would also be replaced by a conservative. Like many of the current justices, Breyer has repeatedly spoken out against court packing, arguing that it would diminish public confidence in the courts and in the rule of law itself. So interesting. I don't think, uh, I think this was leaked. He didn't want the announcement this way. It's uh, unfortunate that it occurred this way. But the right now, the Democrats are desperate to have something to hold on to because they're failing in legislature, uh, legislation in uh, both the House and the Senate. Uh, so this will give them an opportunity to focus on the nomination and approval of a Supreme Court uh, associate, justice associate. San Jose, on Tuesday, the city council voted to require gun owners to have liability insurance and pay an annual fee. This comes after a gunman killed 10 people, including himself, at a rail yard in the city last year. The mayor estimates that the gun violence in San Jose costs taxpayers $40 million annually in an emergency response services. Now this move is believed to be the first of its kind in the United States. In addition to liability insurance, the owners would pay $25 every year towards citywide gun violence prevention programs. The ordinance still has to be approved next month and would go in effect later this year. Uh, critics, of course, are arguing that the punishes uh, law-abiding gun owners that they can't tax a constitutional right, but supporters say it's a step in the right direction. Unfortunately, I, I think the right now, those who are against the Second Amendment realize they can't go in and confiscate guns, so they're going to probably chip away, you know, death by a thousand cuts at uh, things like this San Jose law. I suspect if it's passed, it's going to be overturned uh, by courts in some time in the future. Breitbart News senior contributor Sen uh, Peter Schweitzer said Tuesday on uh, Hannity that uh, China, Russia, and the Ukraine absolutely have compromising intelligence on the family of President Joe Biden. Schweitzer is the author of Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. By the way, he's a great author. He's written uh, the uh, uh Concept of corruption was it? I've forgotten the name of the book. It doesn't matter. The point is, it's he. It's gonna. I've, in fact, we just received it yesterday, so we're looking forward to that read. What we discovered is that some thirty-one. The climate of corruption is what I'm, I'm trying to think of. Uh, what we discovered is that some thirty-one million dollars were provided to the Biden family by five individuals in China. He continued, those individuals all have ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. So we've been a story about corruption and cronyism increasingly is a story about spying, espionage, and national security. Schweitzer added that this demands investigation. This is not just about politicians getting money from their office. 
Hannity asked, is this dossier on Hunter? And, and they knew he was a drug addict. He liked to hire women, working women of the night. Uh, do you believe in all, all likelihood the odds are very high? China, Russia, Ukraine, and, uh, and a lot of these countries have the Biden family compromised. And Schweitzer said, oh, absolutely. There's no question. Look at the Chinese Ministry for State Security is trying to engage in elite capture, as they call it, with the Bidens and $31 million that has been provided. They would review it as a catastrophic intelligence failure if they did not achieve leverage on the Biden family. That's what makes this so troubling and requires investigation, because if we don't, the president is going to be basing decisions on his family financial interests and the fact that Beijing has leverage over his family. Think about that for a moment. We know that uh, $31 million, now that's Schweitzer, very credible author, and I just encourage you to take a look at his book, Red-Handed. It's so interesting. But uh, he's already been compromised. But uh, President Biden has already been compromised with $31 million, if you can imagine. Do you think that's going to affect his decision-making? I suspect it will. Well, former Trump aide Sam Nunberg believes that President Joe Biden essentially gave Vladimir Putin the green light to invade Ukraine because the Ukrainian energy company Burisma stopped bribing him after the 2016 election of former President Donald Trump. Speaking with politics editor Matthew Boyle on Breitbart Saturday, Nunberg explained on a tweet that he posted Friday suggesting that Biden abandoned Ukraine due to Hunter's, Hunter Biden's corruption. And here's a quote. Hunter Biden was paid by Burisma $80,000 a month for simply sitting on the board. Fortune 500 companies don't pay $80,000 a month to board members. They were under an investigation by an investigator who was really uh, someone non-corruptible about all these bribery deals that Burisma was doing. And you know, Biden says and, and takes credit for getting as VP the investigator fired in return for a loan from the U.S. government, he continued. Now what happens when Donald Trump wins the election? They cut Hunter Biden's fee in half, and then eventually they cut him off. Nunberg later explained that President Biden would not have essentially invited Russia to take over Ukraine had his son Hunter been paid handsomely. Think about that. Now, this is one man's opinion, and realize that he needs to be confirmed and validated, but irrespective. Is it possible this happened? Absolutely it's possible. And uh, if I'd had Hunter Biden continue to be paid handsomely, more handsomely, Handsomely than he was when Joe was out of office, it wouldn't be. It would have been a different story. Nunberg says, "I'm sure that uh, President Zelensky has not really taken a neutral position, which he did he, during the impeachment. He didn't go out of his way to defend Joe Biden either. And Joe Biden's actions and Hunter Biden's actions during this hoax impeachment against President Trump, things could have been different." Nunberg noted that former President Trump strengthened NATO and approved the sale of heavy arms to Ukraine during his tenure. One of the immediate initiatives vis-a-vis -vis Europe was uh, stopping the Russia-Putin Nord Stream pipeline, he said. Biden had immediately given that pipeline to Putin. Nunberg concluded that Hunter Biden has probably had conversations with his dad about Ukraine and his dislike of Zelensky's anti-corruption stance. So interesting. So compromise, again, our president compromised by foreign powers. Biden's approval index which reflects those who strongly approve minus those who strongly disapprove, is now, get this, minus 33 per month's approval rate index has been worsening. 
Two days after he took office in January, his approval index was at minus two, 38 strongly approved, and 36% strongly approved, or 38% strongly disapproved, and 36% strongly approved. Over the summer, however, the gap became larger, with his approval index falling from minus seven in July to October, on October to minus 29. These shifts coincide with Biden's failure to crush the Chinese coronavirus and attempts to push vaccine mandates on American people. It also followed the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan, as well as rampant inflation and a supply chain crisis continuing to plague the country. Minus 33. Boy, but, uh, Trump never got that low. And by the way, Schweitzer's new book, Red Handed, also cites uh, 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 Diane Feinstein's husband, Richard Bloom, was part owner of a Chinese firm that allegedly sold computers with spyware chips to the United States military. The military has never been able to calculate how much sensitive data these computers allowed China to steal. Now, remember, uh, Feinstein's the one that had the Chinese driver, and now her husband has been uh, identified as someone who sold these computers, if you can believe this, to uh, the United States government with computer chips to steal information from the United States government. Unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website and give them a call. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and, and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Higher Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, the Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness, continuing education and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. 
So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Collier Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4534. That's 252-3534. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a coalition of well over 110,000 people, uh, over 100 groups across Florida, and we focus on K through 12 education. Um, sometimes they use the word reform, but at the end of the day, I really don't believe we can reform these government schools, but we certainly have to try to improve them since we have 2.8 million kids stuck in them. So we focus on things like education, uh, school choice, really expanding that opportunity for parents to make a choice about what, what's, what where their kids go to school. And, uh, and of course, we're fighting the, uh, the indoctrination of pornography that's in our schools. Yeah. Doing a great job, too. I must say, been around about eight years, and uh, Keith and co-founder Pastor Rick Stevens have really just had terrific influence, positive influence in Tallahassee with the governor's office, with uh, the commissioner of education's office, with legislatures just doing a great job. So, uh, again, the website, I didn't I don't think I mentioned it, but it's goflca.com, goflca.com. Keith, we're right in the midst of a legislative session right now, and I know that you've got some irons in the fire here. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, this is uh, coming up on the end of week two. Um, so, this is what, in theory, a little over six weeks to go. Uh, there's a number of bills. We've been tracking, uh, we've done a deep dive on uh, over 70 bills, and wow. we've sorted them into um, five categories, um, strongly oppose, oppose, strongly su uh, support, and strongly support. And then uh, there's some that we're just not going to, uh, we'll watch, but we're not going to spend any uh, capital on. Um, of the 20 or so bills that we're going to be strongly supporting, um, some good progress on a couple of them, and a couple of others are stuck. Uh, we just put out an action alert yesterday afternoon on on a bill uh, with uh, that that Senator Burgess. It, it's the Employees Organization uh, bill. We strongly support that bill. It really puts some uh, some accountability into the uh, unions, the teachers' unions, mm. uh, and it also gives uh, employees uh, some additional rights to. To, to belong or not belong, and of course, not to have their dues automatically reducted from their paycheck, et cetera. So um, that bill is uh, is scheduled for a hearing tomorrow in the, in the House. So it's beginning to move in the House side. Uh, Senator Burgess appears to be sitting on it. 
a um, little bit of history from last year. Uh, the bill moved through all the way through to the final committee and the rules committee. And then it died in the last couple of days of the session, uh, purportedly because uh, uh, President Simpson and Pasadoma didn't want it. So we'll see where it goes this year. Mm -hmm. uh, so we just did a national alert. Uh, it was not a heavy hand, just urging um, Burgess to to give the bill a fair hearing. So, so I, I thought uh, the uh, I thought the Supreme Court had made it. I thought there was a moot issue now that the Supreme Court said that yeah, federal federal employees or government employees don't have to be in the unions or don't have to pay union dues. And that's true, uh, as far as I know. And I I don't focus a lot on the federal level, but at mm -hmm. the state level. There's still been uh, there's still been some uh, confusion over what what's there, right? And what some of the unions have been doing, both uh, legally and illegally, when it comes to certification. There was a bill passed a couple of years ago in Florida that required them, uh, you know, if they didn't get if they weren't representing over fifty percent of their claimed um, representation they would lose their certification, but apparently they're fudging those numbers and there's a lot of misinformation they're putting out to their employees. So, no, I, you so. know, and, and uh, just to, to acknowledge your point here, I mean, uh, just because that's the, what I said, I believe is true. The fact of the matter is they still try to intimidate. They still try to, to use whatever methods they can in order to keep that cash flow coming into the union coffers. So uh, yeah. I'm glad that you're addressing that. Yeah, so um, that, that bill is being actually led, um, the, the effort is being led by AFP, but we've been on the phone three times with them this week, and we're certainly going to support their efforts and uh, try to get the bill. Yeah, that, that, uh, AFP well, being Americans for Prosperity. Correct, yeah. Uh, there's uh, other bills that are moving. The, the um, racial and sexual discrimination bill seems to be um, that was filed by Randy Fine and Joe Gruder seems to be on hold, but in its place uh, is a bill called um, uh, Individual Freedom, and it's moving on both sides of the House. It's not as extensive a uh, bill as uh, uh, the, the, the one I mentioned beforehand in terms of limiting critical race theory. Mm -hmm. um, we actually like the House version of that bill a little bit better than the Senate version, but um, you know, it's re still really early in, in the process, so um, that's kind of where we are there. Um, our bills, uh, we had our, our harmful for minors bill that we had filed last year in both chambers, mm -hmm. and we got it filed again this year in the in the House, and a limited version of it in the Senate. Uh, so far, it's not moving. Uh, we've had conversations with leadership on the House side. And uh, it, it's not clear that it's going to move. Hmm. Um, that's very disappointing. Um, they're, they're telling us not to give up, but they've assigned it to four committees, and usually that's not a good sign. Yeah. So uh, tell, it, tell us what the bill would do if it if passed. The bill does three things if it passed. Number one, it takes out some of the loopholes that are in uh, Florida's obscenity laws uh, that the schools use to get around and still buy this sexually explicit material and put it in their media centers. Mm -hmm. So it just it's it repeals a couple of minor points there that are, that are sometimes used. Uh, the second thing it does is has a really strong opt in. Um, and this was a major debate last year. Uh, and for your listeners, 
uh, real simple, the difference between an opt-in and an opt-out when it comes to this sexually expressed material. If it's an opt-in, parents in control. Mm -hmm. If it's an opt-out, government's in control. Gotcha. Uh, the, the point being that if, if, if the government is going to do something and you're not on the ball quick enough every day to figure out what they're doing to opt your kids out, then they do it without your knowledge. Uh, mm. An opt-in requires them to tell you uh, 10 days in advance before they're teaching anything on sexually explicit material or reproductive health, and you have to visibly sign in, just like you have to sign your head up for playing football. Yeah, right? interesting. So, so um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, like I said, next week is week, week three. Um, it's been assigned to a couple subcommittees. The subcommittees stop meeting after week five. So we need to get it moving. Uh, mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, then uh, what that usually indicates is that the speaker uh, doesn't want the bill. Yeah, so I can't. I can't verify that. Uh, and we certainly haven't given up. But um, the, the, the hill is going to get pretty steep after next year, uh, yeah. next week, if it's not heard. So let's uh, pick up on this uh, next week when we visit on where legislation is going. But I do want to take a, just a moment to talk about your event coming up on March the 9th. Sure. No, it's an exciting event. Um, it's going to be March 9th at the Ritz-Carlton Ritz Tiburon. Uh, we have uh, so far, and I emphasize so far, three major speakers, uh, Dennis Prager, Charlie Kirk, and uh, Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee. Um, we just had, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the America Project, but it's run by Joe Flynn, who is uh, General Flynn's brother. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the, the American Project just did an event sponsorship for 25 grand for our event. So that's really nice. And uh, there's a pretty good chance, can't announce it yet, but we're working on getting uh, General Flynn there. I'll be nice. And I've had uh, two discussions, one in person last week and one by phone this week with the governor's senior aides. And uh, they will never tell us up until the last two weeks, but th they're asking the right questions. and. Uh, we're hopeful that the governor will, will uh, that will be out, as well. outstanding. Again, I think demonstrates the influence of the Florida Citizens Alliance. And I current encourage all of our listeners to support the great work that you're doing. And the uh, website is goflca.com, goflca.com. You get tickets there to the event coming up on March 9th. They're going to become precious. I'm quite yeah, certain. We, uh, we sold about 300 tickets. Our target is 400 to, to 450. And when uh, when we get to the middle of uh, probably the second or third week of February, um, all the tickets we're selling now are early bird tickets. When we get to that point, uh, the price, price is going up. Going, yeah, price is going up. So buy now. All right. GoFLCA.com. <laughs> Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Take care. Have Mike a great Bush. week. You as well. Thank you. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new refreshing social networking platform and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us coming up we're going to visit with Seton Motley the founder and president of less government right now we have with us Michael Cannon Michael is a director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute Michael thank you so much for joining us here on the show great to be back Bob thank you Michael tell us about the Cato Institute the Cato Institute is a think tank in Washington, D.C. We are a libertarian think tank, which means we push for individual liberty in all areas. We want you to be able to live your life however you want, as long as you respect the equal rights of others. And that means you get to decide what to do with your money, where to live, where to work, whom to love, uh, with whom you can engage in economic transactions, and what you can put in your body, and and on and on and on. Yeah. As long as you respect the equal rights of others, then you get to live your life the way that you want. Not enough of that going on, and just really appreciate your commitment to uh, the, the whole notion of uh, freedom, individual freedom here in the United States. It's, it's a kind of very strong constitutional principle that's being more and more ignored. Yeah, you wouldn't think that those ideas would be very controversial, but in Washington, D.C., well, this is where we gather everyone in the country who wants to run other people's lives, 
And I mean, both on the left and the right, both Republican and Democrat, they come here to do that. Yeah. And uh, and so those ideas are more controversial than they should be. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Oh, Michael, I understand that today is a pretty auspicious day in your life, uh, but it gives us an opportunity to talk about one of the medical procedures that's pretty darn important for, for uh, just about everybody. So, with my, yeah, thanks uh, for, for keeping this up. When my grandfather was about 56 years old, I think, he died from colorectal cancer. My mom was 13 years old at the time. And that always seemed like an abstraction to me, but now I'm nearing that age. So six years ago, I got my first colonoscopy, and today I'm getting my second colonoscopy. And what's frustrating, what's interesting about it, uh, this whole process is that even though the U.S. government recommends that once you're at average risk at age 50, you begin getting uh, uh, colonoscopies every five years. And if you're 45 years old, or if you're above average risk, maybe you start younger. Uh, there, and while there are data showing that colorectal cancer screening, and not just colonoscopies, but other uh, 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 screens for colon cancer can reduce de- deaths from colorectal cancer, there is there are no studies, still no studies, showing a reduction in all-cause mortality or, 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 or an association between colorectal cancer screening and all-cause mortality. So, so that leaves people at, at average risk or at high risk like me really wondering, is this providing the sort of, uh, uh, the sort of life-saving benefits that we expect? And having to make decisions without a certain answer about that. Yeah. So the decision I made is to uh, to to get now my second uh, colonoscopy, uh, and um, and yet there you know there are other people making different decisions, and and they're doing it because we don't have more evidence. And I think the government is doing a lot to suppress the collection of that evidence. Well, and uh, I would also suggest that uh, probably the government is not a great source of information, <laughs> or at, le- at least reliable information. Lots of information, most of it not reliable. So uh, you need other good sources for information in order to make those types of decisions. I think skepticism is in order. Whenever you're getting um, uh, uh, medical advice, you want to uh, cast a wide net and, uh, and, and hear from different sources of information. When it comes to uh, recommendations by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force or you know even the CDC, I, I I tend to think that the government, the scientists who put together those recommendations, are doing a, a fairly good job of accurately depicting what is in the scientific literature. Hmm. Not all, not perfect. They, they, of course, no one's perfect, but uh, more often than not, those are accurate depictions. Where I get really nervous is when they tie recommendations to their depictions of the literature, and those recommendations involve their own power or their own prestige. If it has implications for those, so that's why uh, I'm, I'm 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 more skeptical of CDC recommendations when it comes to say masking than uh, than I am, or even vaccination than I am about recommendations uh, or, or just uh, uh, recommendations that have a lot less impact on the cloud of the people who are recommending them, like the Preventive Services Task Force's recommendations about colorectal cancer screening. The more attention 
those uh, recommendations get, the more money that's on the line uh, by the people who provide those services, uh, and the more the agency's reputation uh, is at stake, uh, the more uh, the more skepticism I think we should bring to well, those recommendations. Yeah, I think it's it, that's good information. And of course, uh, with a family history, you certainly want to be uh, take, paying attention and uh, you know, taking preventive issues measures when you can, irrespective. I just think uh, always consider a second opinion, especially when it comes from information to the CDC, which, in my opinion. Uh, my opinion of uh, the CDC and uh, just all kinds of healthcare providers has really diminished, and I'm and I'm suggesting just my skepticism about the information that we're receiving because of the incentives that exist in our society right now for certain behaviors. And this is an interesting dynamic, you know. When I, amid that uncertainty, go to a uh, gastroenterologist and ask him what I what he thinks I should do given my family history of colorectal cancer, uh, every gastroenterologist I've talked to said, you should just get the colonoscopy, yeah. just do it. Yeah. And so in this case, when I consult the, the literature review that the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force has put together, and it acknowledges that there are no studies linking colorectal cancer screening to a reduction in all-cause mortality. Right. Here, actually, the government is providing me the second opinion that I'm using to, uh, uh, to evaluate the advice that my physician is giving me. And it's very valuable because that physician, even though he is confident that this is the right choice for me, I know from the data that the government and others have assembled that he should not be as confident as he is. Yeah. The data are not there to support what he is not. The data are not there to support what he's recommending. The data are not there to demonstrate that there are uh, 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 reliable um, mortality benefits from this procedure. That doesn't mean he's wrong. Yeah. There might be, just no one has collected the data yet. So interesting. Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. First of all, I hope the procedure goes well. And I hope there's no false positives. I hope you get good information coming back to you. Again, Michael, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. Take Thank care. you so much. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. 
School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.optimaed.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Tell us about Less Government, Seton. I can't. We're not doing it. (laughs) Um, We exist through the society scope and sphere of influence of government, and then it's not happening anywhere. It's happening in Florida a little bit. We're ha- well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm talking at the federal level. Yeah, Sorry. no, no question about it. So you wrote a great column, and I, it, here's here's the here's the title: Let's not shoot at Russians. Let's tariff their petroleum and everything else. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm hoping that Stephen Breyer retiring is enough of a distraction from all of Biden's many failures that we, we may pull back on this idiocy we're headed towards on this, you know, irrelevant border skirmish between two countries that have nothing to do with anything right. in our lives. And so there's zero national interest in this. And, you know, we've already spent $90 billion giving the Ukrainians weapons. You know who loves that? The deep state loves that, uh, Bob. They Absolutely. Just uh... Raytheon and, uh, you know, all, all these idiot companies get to – you know, cash checks uh, in the name of not defending our country at all. Um, but what we're talking about sanctions. Okay, fine. Let's sanction them. But let's do it in a way that hurts them. I looked at the numbers. First of all, NATO shouldn't exist anymore. Right. We should have folded up five minutes after the Soviet Union did. The whole point of NATO was to protect Europe from the Soviet Union. Well, there hasn't been a Soviet Union in almost 30 years. Government is forever, as I say in the piece. If Cro-Magnon man governments had gotten together and formed a saber-toothed tiger treaty organization, the U.S. would still be overfunding it. That's right. <laughs> and, and so NATO still exists. We keep pushing further into Eastern Europe, which gets closer to closer to Russia, which, of course, would understandably piss off Russia because we're obligated by treaty – a NATO treaty to go to war if if Russia, if Russia attacks a NATO state, and if we're going to go right up on his border, well, that's going to piss him off. Right. Understandably so. Ukraine's right on his border, and we've been talking about adding them to NATO. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we love going to war 
on pointless uh, issues that have no national interest. There are 194 countries in the world. We have treaties obligating us to go to war with, in defense of 67 of them. Now, just think about that for a moment. That is unbelievable. And so, anyway, um, uh, so anyway, so let's do something that's actually a not involving the military, not involve spending tens and hundreds of billions of dollars. They, they have no economy. By the way, Russia now is completely irrelevant to the global picture. Um, it's a gas station with, an, with a country st stuck to it. Um, their, their, their entire GDP is $1.7 trillion. By contrast, Europe's is over 18. Yeah. And as I say in the piece, the, if this were high school and everything's high school, uh, Russia would be the recording secretary of the chess club. And Europe would be the middle linebacker, and we are obligated by treaty to go to war to defend the middle linebacker against the recording secretary of the chess club. Yeah, unbelievable. That's absurd. Now, if all they can do is pump gas, and that's what they're doing, and that's why you know Biden's a moron, he approves the Russian pipeline and now is upset and wants to put sanctions on the pipeline – uh, now that Ru Russia's going into Ukraine, because Russia saw them approve, Biden approved the pipeline and went, man, is he weak. Um, so, and man, is he in our back pocket. Hello, Burisma. Anyway, so if all they can do is pump gas, and by the way, we import coal, too, from mm -hmm. Russia. Now, we import Russian oil, Russian petroleum, and we import Russian coal. Unbelievable. So... They're, meanwhile, they're going to continue to use cheap energy while we insist our companies use more expensive energy, which, of course, undermines our domestic producers. Just the thing we need, uh, as we're learning that everything we, that we need is made overseas, let's make it harder for domestic manufacturers. Um, so I want to do what we've been talking about, you and I, and, and I've been talking about this for a long time, a border adjustment tax. It's like a carbon tax. It says – if, you, if we're going to cut our own throats in the name of climate change, in the name of global warming, and you're not, and, and there's plenty of – I mean, Putin didn't even go to the, to the COP26 climate summit. Uh, neither did China, by the way, Xi Jinping. Um, he didn't even go. He showed up by video. Um, he's obviously not concerned about this. He's not, he even, I even cited an article where he said, we're not going to make the same mistakes with, with, with fake energy that, that most other countries have made. Right. Um, he, so let's tariff what they send to us, coal, oil, petroleum, uh, anything else they export. Let's tariff it to try to even out, you know, because every, every subsidized dollar we import, undermines domestic production. Right. They're using real energy, undermines our domestic producers who are trying to do, being forced to use wind and solar and whatever else. And by the um, way, Seton, uh, we, I read we have a trade deficit of $1 trillion. $1 trillion. It's the highest it's ever been in the history of the United States. Unbelievable. And, of course, a lot of this is created just because of what you're pointing out right now. Um, we, we definitely should impose some tariffs and try and equal the playing field. I don't, I'm not in favor of tariffs. I'm for free trade, but tariffs help level the playing field. Well, as I wrote earlier in the week, I don't like subsidies either. Right. But if China is going to mass subsidize the semiconductor manufacturing process, well, you know, we, we exist in the world we live in, not in the world we wish we lived in. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to do it and we can't make them stop doing it, the least we can do is even it out.
Great point. Uh, again, Seton Motley, the founder and president of a Less Government. I encourage you to visit the very robust website, lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, your commentary is always spot on. Just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. I'm sure he's got a lot on his mind. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. They, uh, among other things, have policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, but again, the uh, website is thefga.org. Dot org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, it is my pleasure, as always, on a Thursday morning to join you. Well, so, I appreciate it. Hey, if the election is coming up next Monday, and maybe you could just bring it up date up to date. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I can't tell you how much paper has been accumulated on brochures from from candidates. Uh, each. Um, uh, taking a little, taking a little shot at a, at at a fellow candidate or why they should or shouldn't be elected, and uh, 
They unfortunately, Bob, and, and I, I say this in all candor. I have never, um, uh, in in my years of uh, of politics, uh, um, the 28 years that I served, both council and mayor, um, you know, non consecutively, but they've never brought the two things that they're bringing into this election um, uh, before us. One is the abortion issue. Um, and the second one is the party politics, which really, really bother me. It doesn't matter to me if you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. Okay, this is a non-partisan election, but they are doing anything and everything to make it um, to make it about party politics. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, and this is just a personal thing with me. I just don't. Um, to me, it has never been a part of city of uh, city elections. Okay, um, it's about the candidate and what they, you know, what their experience is, what they can do, what they can't do, and there, there are, um, and there are different groups, obviously, pushing for their candidates. But um, I just don't. My opinion, that's all. I mean, I'm just throwing that out yep. to you because we share a lot of stuff. So, uh, and then this morning's, uh, if you look in Naples uh, Daily News this morning, um, which I really do anymore, but. <laughs> um, there's a big article from the League of Women Voters about uh, about the abortion issues and and that it does not belong in in um, you know in the election cycle at what? least in 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 local politics. Did you know? I I just uh, I don't know how I found this out, but apparently there's about uh, two or three times more uh, pregnancy clinics than there are abortion clinics in the United States. And, uh, of course, the Supreme Court is going to be considering this whole issue of abortion coming up in this term. So it's kind right, of a right. emotionally charged uh, uh, issue. But uh, and then, of course, yeah. right now, the uh, state is con uh, considering having a I think it's 15 weeks that they're looking at for uh, uh, for. I, I saw that. Yeah, I, I saw that. I don't I just, you know, it's certainly not local politics. Right. OK, I mean city of naples has you know like any other small towns or cities um they don't i i i'm very very against the sanctuary city um issue because it's just going to divide everybody in this city you know we're not that we're not that big um but we'll just wait and see with the new with the new guard in whomever that might be uh coming up next week um we'll see whether it comes right back on the slate or not yeah so uh, you know, who knows? So, um, so Bill, are, are there some hot issues? What are what are uh, the voters? What do you think? Well, sure, Bob. The hot issues, you know, they they and, and of course, no solutions. Um, but you know, the biggest thing they have to do is is figure out this city manager thing. I mean, there's nothing hotter than that. And yep. uh, at, at last week's last Thursday's meeting, uh, the mayor lost it totally. Uh, at the end of the meeting, I mean, she just went off the rails. She did. Um, <laughs> yeah, jumping up and down. She didn't understand something. She yelled at the city manager, and then she, she said something about, well, I ordered you to, to Pete Maria, the city manager, and then Pete bit back at her and said, listen, this is what you asked for, okay, and now you're saying you don't understand it. Um, she did not want council to take a vote on something, okay? Uh. Absolutely had to do with the beach club again. They're, they're still going back to talk about issues. Okay, you still have this wacko out there who's threatening lawsuits at, at every at, at at every available instance. He is throwing out a lawsuit, okay, to stop that 
that beach club and um it's getting annoying and i you know people say to me why don't they just do something with him why doesn't the judge just you know dismiss well you know it's just so gets so complicated and then she um believe me she might tell you she's for the beach club but it's but but her actions don't show it. That's so and she's interesting. She's got a few more on that council that are that are with her, and so it's going to be. Uh, you know, I don't want to put names out there and everything, but I my my gut feeling is if a few of them get on, um, we're going to see some things that we might not like. Hmm. So, uh, but the but the city manager is the biggest thing because staff is the morale is horrendous, Bob. Yeah. Regardless of what you hear, I can tell you because these people have kept the staff has kept in touch with me throughout, and um, it's it's really bad. It's just uh, tough for a lot of them to come to work. Yeah, it just so, doesn't need to be that way. Uh, changing topic no. slightly, uh, we've got a new editor in chief at the Naples Daily News. I don't know if you know anything about this person and what. <laughs> well, why do you I, get your I, thoughts? I do, <laughs> I do not. I knew Penny. Uh, you know she. Um, she had some health issues the last couple of years and everything, but she's a pretty smart lady. Yeah. Um, and she was always pleasant to me and could always uh, deal straight up with her. But I have no idea, Bob. And, and from what I heard, and I'm sure you heard the same thing that, you know, over the Christmas holidays, um, they, uh, there were a couple of days that there was no newspaper. And I understand they had experimented in quite a few counties uh, around the state. Uh, that Naples Daily News might be going to a weekly newspaper, and it wouldn't surprise me because their subscription is 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 pretty far down. Yeah, I mean, uh, my understanding is they have something like sixteen full time employees, including reporters. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, the local reporter that we had, his name was Omar, a uh, very very nice young man, very astute. Okay, if you gave him something, he he ran with it. But the problem was. Bob, he had Marco Island. Mm -hmm. He had part of the county. He had the city of Naples. You know, one person just can't do that. And I will, I will, I will kind of leave you with this. Um, you know, if I if I were still mayor, or when I was mayor, I will say this to you: the reporters that they had in the Naples Daily News for so many years, they didn't let you get away with anything. They were in that office, okay? Not that you're trying to get away with something, but I remember Joey Craney, the last really strong reporter we had. Joey and I did not get along. He was a bear, okay? Yep. But he was fair, okay? So if he said, hey, Bill, I'm going to boot your butt on this one, all right? Well, I took it, you know? But on the other hand, if he did something I didn't like, I would let him know, and he was fair about it. Um, don't have that anymore. Hmm. The, these, the mayor and uh, others can get away with just whatever they want because there's no news coverage. Well, and that's that's very sad. It is. Very and if sad. we move to a weekly newspaper, which it probably is a good move because there's nothing in the paper. Anyhow, anytime I pick it up, I ask, right. what you see? Just, there's nothing in there. <laughs> so, right. Even uh, the sports isn't good. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, but we need we need a news organ here on the Paradise Coast. And uh, I hope somebody will step up and uh yeah and bring us one that's uh, a little bit more balanced and uh, a little bit more interesting more investigative reporting there's a lot of news and right. it, it's just not being covered i would like to see the hardened times <laughs> hardened times <laughs> get local delivery i think that'd be great well you know anyway you're 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 right bob you're right we joke about it but it's not funny and i'm the one i mean i see it more than anything not having a, a good news reporter down there at the at the city hall at least daily uh i know that jenna 
Jenna Foster used to stop in every single day. She would go up to the to the to the um, uh, mayor's office. She would see the admin. She we had kept a big book there of all the documents that came in and and letters that came in, and she could go through them. And then she'd see something that was uh, piqued her interest, and she would investigate it. She would go after it. She would ask questions. There's none of that. None of that happening now. Unbelievable. Gone. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. Uh, next time we talk, we'll have an opportunity to talk about the results of the election. Oh, we will. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, my pleasure, and you have a good rest of the week. You All as right? well. Thank you so much, Bye. Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including Bob Rommel, our state representative, will be with us. William Reitman is a research uh, associate with the Cato Institute. We talk about what's happening on Capitol Hill. Erica Donalds, president and CEO of the Optima Foundation, uh, all about choice, school choice and charter schools. And then Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, will be joining us as well. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>